Welcome to And Justice for All, the official podcast of Roosevelt University, exploring the relationship between education and justice, and the transformative power of inclusive education. Hosted by Roosevelt University President Ali Malekzadeh. For many of us, the coronavirus pandemic has been profoundly isolating. I know I have missed seeing students on campus, giving out fist bumps and checking in on each other in person. This year, Roosevelt University has been challenged to find new ways to be there for our students, where and when they need our support. In this episode, we will dig deeper into three new mission-driven funds for Roosevelt students. Our special guest host today is Nicole Barron, Vice President of University Advancement. Nicole is joined by Hilda Rojas Duarte, Assistant Dean of Student Life and Housing, as well as Michelle Stipp, Director of Financial Aid. We also welcome Emeritus Williams Anderson, a Roosevelt senior and psychology major. For more information about the coronavirus relief funds, please visit roosevelt.edu/giving. Hi, good afternoon. I'm so glad to be here today uh, with Michelle Stepp. Miracle Williams Anderson and Hilda Rojas Duarte for a conversation about how our current fundraising efforts at Roosevelt are targeted directly to help our students in need. To date, with the generous support of our donors, we have raised more than $175,000 to support our newest mission-centric funds, and we need more. We need more help from our friends and our donors to continue the good work that we need to support our students. And today I'm going to be talking with Michelle and Hilda about how the ongoing support of our donors is critical to sustaining the academic success of our students going into this next year. And I'm really interested to hear from a miracle about how these funds have helped to support her as a student these past several months. So to get started, Hilda, would you mind just telling us a little bit more about what you do at Roosevelt and your work with our students? Yes, absolutely. Hi, Nicole, and thank you for having me. Um, so as you shared, my uh, role at the university is as assistant dean for student life and housing. And so what that means is that I am a team member for the dean of students office. And out of that office, our main goal is to ensure that we help students overcome any barriers or struggles that they are going through while they are attending Roosevelt. And so as we know, lots of different things can happen um, during a student's uh, college career. And sometimes those barriers, they need some help from us as the university to overcome them. And so at the Dean of Students office, we try to offer support services such as one, just connecting with the student, right? Having conversations with them and connecting them to the correct offices across campus to get them the support that they need, such as counseling services, um, connecting them to the learning commons, 
a variety of great folks. And then specifically, we have a small portfolio of resources that we offer. The Food Pantry, Career Closet, most recently in the fall of 2019, we launched the Laker Grant, which is our Student Emergency Assistance Fund. So really trying to help students overcome struggle so that they can make it to graduation. Yeah. And I like how you emphasize the word small portfolio of funds <laughs> to help support our students, because that's what we're here to talk about today. We need to make the portfolio bigger. Yes. Um, so your initiatives with the food pantry and the career closet are essential, right? Essential needs now that our students have. And we want to be able to continue to provide more in those areas as well. And we're going to dive in detail about the Laker grant here in just a little bit. So thank you, Hilda. Appreciate your introduction. Michelle, let's go to you next and your role in financial aid, a very busy office this time of year. Yeah, thank you, Nicole. Uh, thanks for having me join and on this such an important topic. Uh, yes, and we are hopping in financial aid given how close we are to the start of the fall semester. What we really focus on year-round is really partnering with uh, students and their families on all the different uh, financial aid programs that are out there. So, you know, everything kind of starts with the FAFSA, that free application for federal student aid, and that helps us work with the family on federal funding options, state funding options, and also some Roosevelt options. I think sometimes folks feel that federal state is really the only thing that FAFSA allows them uh, to be considered for, but our institutional funds are tied to that application as well. So it's always a, a good opportunity for them to fill out that FAFSA, even if they aren't sure uh, about it. And so we're here to answer questions and help them with the application because it can be a little bit complicated. And then additionally, one of the items that we've been focusing on a lot is just helping parents and students with financial aid appeals. You know, in light of COVID-19 and everything else that's been going on in the world around us, a lot of families have experienced changes in their financial circumstances. So be it a job loss, a layoff, furlough, whatever it might be, if that's impacted that family's financial situation, we have a process in our office where we can work with that family, understand what took place, and see if there are adjustments that we can do that may change their eligibility for federal, state, and also Roosevelt aid. So again, if uh, you know, talking about resources, you know, those resources are available. We want to know how we can help. So if, if you know that you're in a situation like that or know someone who might be, please have them contact our office and, and we want to do whatever we can to support them through this transition. And I, I like the word you used when you started your introduction, Michelle, about partnering, right? That you're mm -hmm. partners with our students and our families and you're really, your office is just as much of a support services office as Hilda's is, right, mm -hmm. in her area. So, and I know I, a lot of your staff members as well, and you just continue to show care and compassion with every mm -hmm. student that you interact with. And it is just so appreciated, all of the work mm -hmm. you do in your area. It's so important. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. A miracle. So glad Hello. to see your face. It is so good to see you and welcome. It is wonderful to meet you. I'm glad you're here. Why don't you, you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're studying at Roosevelt, where you're from, um, anything you'd like to share with us? 
Um, I was born and raised in Chicago, and my major is psychology, and I also have a minor in writing because I hope to become a counseling psychologist with my own practice, and I want to write children's books about mental illness so that they learn about it at earlier stages. And I'm also a McNair scholar, and I was the student worker in the Office of Students' Rights and Responsibilities, so I ran the food pantry and also the career closet. Wow. I was not aware of that. Fabulous. <laughs> wow. So you can share with us probably a little bit later in our podcast today just mm -hmm. how much those resources are needed on behalf of our students. Um, your perspective will be really important to share with our, our donors and our community at Roosevelt. So thank you mm -hmm. for being here. I love your no smile. Problem. You have a great smile, America. <laughs> thank, thank you. you. So let's get started. Uh, first, I'd like to talk about the Student Emergency Assistance Fund, um, otherwise known to our students as the Laker Grant. Uh, this fund provides immediate financial assistance to students to help cover essential expenses like rent, food, and utility costs. And with the onset of the pandemic in the middle of March, boy, did our students have a lot of needs that nobody anticipated or expected. A miracle, what were you mm -hmm. thinking and feeling when coronavirus cases started rising in Illinois and you had to move all of your classes online? Um, I actually didn't know what to feel. I was kind of confused because, like, I knew that it was, like, a problem, but I didn't realize, like, how serious it was until, like, I had to leave and also my um, study abroad trip got canceled. And I guess that's when it really, like, set in that it wasn't just something that was happening in Illinois. It was something that was happening, like, everywhere for the fact that they canceled this trip that was, like, half of our class it was a history course so half of our class was based on us going abroad so the fact that the school saw the need to cancel that let me know how serious it was because they went through all the trouble of planning the trip in the first place right yeah it speaks a lot really to your ability of miracle to, to pivot so quickly and be adaptable right to be able to stay in school and used to just seeing your friends and your faculty members to, to, to be online. It speaks a lot to your commitment and tenacity as a student. Hilda, what were some of the common worries or challenges that you heard from our students? Sure. Basic necessities, I think, come March were hard to be able to cover. And so when we started to really see a large amount of requests come in for the Laker grant. It was heartbreaking and a feeling of relief, I guess, that the word was getting out about the Laker grant. But it was literally requests from students telling us, my phone bill is due at the end of the month. I need money for my utilities. Now that classes have moved online, I don't have Wi-Fi at home. And I remember telling the committee early on that it was such an eye-opening moment for me to see the requests from people. I never, you know, thought about not having a laptop as a college student, and that showed my privilege or the fact that I couldn't have Wi-Fi at home to complete my homework. Um, and I think there was this immediate sense of urgency from the committee that was involved in reviewing the requests that the small amount of money that we had at the time 
was not going to be enough because the request would not stop coming in. And that it was very important stuff, right, that students were requesting money for. So very eye-opening. Yeah, yeah, right. Heartbreaking. Heartbreaking is definitely the word. Michelle, were you hearing the same similar stories of hardship and need in your office? We, we were hearing a lot of the same things as, as Hilda described, and, and we were encouraging students. We were a big promoter of uh, the emergency fund or the Laker grant process and um, directing students to the application so that they could seek additional funds if they needed those. You know, some of the other things that we, we were working on within our office as well was federal work-study students. I think there was the concern that some of them would not have a job or not be able to be paid for that time. And and so, uh, you know, the university made the decision to continue to pay the work-study students. And so we were able to convey that and provide, you know, at least a, a little bit of security with knowledge of that. Uh, and then, of course, the other big area that was a, a big impact in our office was the CARES Act funds. And so, you know, getting that process in place and, and getting that pathway available so that students could get that money, apply for that money, and for us to have, you know, a streamlined process to get it out as quickly as we were able to get it into their hands because we knew from the from the stories we were hearing how, how much it was needed. Um, I think that speaks a lot to our university community as a whole in terms of our ability to respond rapidly and, and quickly and efficiently to be able to ensure financial assistance for, for our students. A miracle, what led you to apply for the Student Emergency Assistance Fund? So I had a medical emergency, so I had to go to the immediate care office and it wasn't something I could just ignore and just be like, I'll just take a Tylenol and I'll be fine. Like I had to go to the immediate care office and I didn't budget that into me needing to have an emergency. And I try to avoid asking my mom for money because I'm the oldest of four and all of my three siblings are teenagers. So I try to avoid asking her for a lot of stuff. <laughs> so I just went and then I didn't realize that the um, health care didn't cover the entire bill. So when the extra bill came, I was kind of trying to figure out how was I going to pay this, considering that I have to make sure that I have all my essentials because of what's happening. But also, if I need to take what I have to my house in case I have to move out of my dorm, I have to make sure that my mom and my siblings can also use it. So I didn't know how I was going to pay the bill. And then I remembered the Laker grant, and I just applied and hoped for the best. Oh, my gosh. A miracle. I'm so sorry to hear that. That just must have been really scary for you. Really scary. Yeah, I have a fear of debt. I really hate debt. So I was trying to avoid any type of extra debt besides my school loans. <laughs> yeah. Well, boy, you could be a poster girl for Michelle's office. Yeah, you're learning young. So, but uh, I'm so glad you're okay and you're, you're, you're feeling better. So, but again, sorry you had to go through that. I know to date, and Hilda, maybe just you probably have the number top of mind. Mm -hmm. How much money have we raised to date? And do you know how much of that has been distributed to our students? 
Yes. So to date, we have awarded $70,000. So I'll give you a little bit of background because I think the numbers are pretty remarkable. So last year in the fall of 2019, around October is when the Laker Grant came into fruition. And it was it came from the student activity fee. So an allocation that was given from that fee to start the emergency grant. And we only had $10,000 at the time, which, you know, it was something to start the grant with. And we had received three requests and awarded three people between October and March. And on March 20th, when we sent out a big announcement after classes had gone online saying, we have this grant, there's money, please submit your request. Between March and May, we were able to raise an additional $60,000 and awarded in totality $70,000 to 168 students, and on average, about $450. The max amount that a student could request was $500. So most of them received the totality of whatever they were requesting. And I could not believe that we had been able to award $70,000 in two months, but we did it. Yeah, and as I understand, the fund is pretty much completely depleted at this point in time. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. The fund is depleted at this time. We are expecting to receive a new allocation from the student activity fee, but that won't happen until the start of the academic year once we really understand how many students are enrolled and um, how much money can go towards the Laker grant. And we believe that the new allocation will be given to us sometime in late September, early October. Um, So that is when we hope to have more funds and hopefully, you know, generous donors are able to contribute to that so that we can start with a good amount of money when we open the request pool again. Yes, yes. For anyone who is listening, who's interested in giving to the Student Emergency Fund, I encourage you to go to our website, roosevelt.edu slash give so we can work to reestablish funds for students starting in the fall. Um, Michelle, right, you're working with students now to package them for the fall. Have you, you know, in your work with our students, are you seeing students' needs changing? Yeah, all the time. Um, So, you know, we, it's, it's not uncommon for us to get questions from students, especially, you know, once they once they see their financial aid and, and they receive their tuition bill, you know, they, they do the math and they know kind of what portion they may need to contribute on their own. Um, and that's often when we get the phone calls because financial aid, because it is tied to a family's income, it does fluctuate a little bit from year to year. And sometimes those fluctuations are more than what the, the family might've anticipated. And so Absolutely. You know, we get calls to find out, are there any other scholarships I can apply for? Who can I talk to about other uh, scholarship opportunities? And just trying to understand what options Roosevelt can provide to assist them. Americo, I'm just curious, did you have any of your other friends or fellow students who were able to apply or receive funds through the Student Emergency Assistance Fund? Um, I'm not sure if they got it, but I do know that once I did it, I made sure that anybody I knew knew about it. So that they did need it, they knew that it was available. Good, good. Please continue to, to do so and advocate for students. 
also I'm curious in your work with the food pantry or the career closet, tell us just briefly a little bit about your experience there and some of the stories about how those two areas help students. I know sometimes people don't realize that we actually have a food pantry or that we have a career closet. So we try very hard to like put out flyers and to make announcements to make sure people know that they have these resources. And some people often think that you have to pay for it. So I try to stress that everything is free. Like even in the career closet, you don't have to pay for anything. And some people feel like they don't want to come and seem needy, but I use it myself. So anytime someone's talking to me, I let them know that you're not going to get judged if you're getting it because no one is, I'm the only one in here, honestly. So I'm not going to go around saying that you came to the food pantry or you came to the career closet and you needed something because it was this one time where someone needed, um, they had a job interview and they didn't have like a dress shirt and they didn't realize that instead of going, trying to figure out how to get to a store, they could just go to the career closet. So they came to the food pantry looking for it and I took them there and they didn't realize they could also get four pieces a semester. So they end up leaving with the entire suit, the shirt and shoes, and they didn't even have to go to the store or pay for anything. Yeah, it's really important. And thank you for making your friends and our students feel comfortable using those services because there shouldn't be any any shame in that at all. So really appreciate your, your service in that capacity of Miracle. Thank you. You're listening to And Justice for All, the official podcast of Roosevelt University. So let's talk a little bit now about the Stronger Tuition Grant, which was established just this past spring as a means to help students cover tuition expenses. As we know, students have indeed been impacted with the recent downturn in the economy, and as a result, Many have lost their primary sources of incomes, like a lot of Americans. A large percentage of Roosevelt students work full-time. I think it's over 50% and part-time to help pay for tuition. And now that source of income for a lot of students is is no longer. Um, So, Michelle, let's, let's start with you. Can you just tell us a little bit more about the Stronger Tuition Grant Sure. So uh, the Stronger Tuition Grant uh, was put in place to really provide assistance to the students that you just described. So those that are experiencing a financial hardship uh, due to job loss or just a reduction in earnings during this unusual time that we're in. So the way that we process the scholarship or the way that students apply for the scholarship is uh, through um, our special circumstance process that I mentioned earlier. So that really gives us the opportunity to not only look at the student just for stronger tuition funding, which is part of the process, but also see if there's anything else that we can allow them to apply for. So, you know, if, if we go in and we're looking at their income, does this change also allow them to qualify for federal grants or state grants in addition to some of these stronger tuition funds. The funds, unlike some of the other uh, funds that we've talked about, stronger tuition is strictly for tuition. It's not something that will be given to a student to assist with living expenses or some of these other pieces, but 
I mean, it's it's been a, a wonderful program to have available for students, especially given the high need that we're seeing. And um, it's, it's great in our office to say you should apply for the Stronger Tuition Grant uh, when students call with questions. Just to have that avenue to direct them to has been a, a huge help and a huge benefit. Are you able to share how much money is available for students now through the Stronger Tuition Grant? Uh, good question. So at this point, I will just say that the funds are very limited. We've had a lot of applications come in. Students started applying in June, uh, and they've been coming in fast and furious since that time. So, you know, I know we talked about the generous donors that have really contributed to so many of the programs that we have here at Roosevelt. And to put in a plug, the Stronger Tuition Grant uh, would be a great opportunity for them to uh, really make a difference in the lives of our students, because I know the need that we're seeing now is not going to go away. And so having additional funding towards that program would be a wonderful, wonderful way to make a difference uh, in the lives of our students. Yes, yes. And I know we've had one very generous donor who's made a $50,000 gift towards the Stronger Tuition Grant. So for those of our listeners, again, who are interested in learning more about this fund, please visit roosevelt.edu slash give and or slash giving, which gives more of a description of our student uh, mission-centric funds, as I like to, to talk to them about. And as long as we're talking about tuition and being able to for students to pay to go back to school, you know, there's a miracle. I'm just interested to hear a little bit from you about the adjustment to remote learning. What was that like for you? It was kind of hard considering that I wasn't the only one who had to have the adjustment because my three siblings also had to adjust because we all end up being in the same house trying to go to school at the same time. And sometimes they'll have a class that's louder than what I need to be in class. So it was just trying to find a space where I can focus on my work but also knowing that they're also in school and they also don't know what's going to happen next. So we're all just trying to figure out how to exist in this house together because originally I was in a dorm room. But now that everything's remote, I didn't see a reason to pay for the dorm room if it'll lower my um, costs. So now I'll be at home and they'll also be at home. Yes, <laughs> so just yeah. figuring that out <laughs> for my last year. <laughs> oh boy, can I relate to that, right? It is hard to find personal space in your own house when you have a lot of other people living in there. So that is a challenge. I think everyone, Michelle and Hilda, you probably could relate to that as well. Yeah. So yeah, and dogs. We have dogs in the house <laughs> yeah. that like to bark at inopportune time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, funny. But a miracle talk to us though about, you know, given the challenges, right? It's not easy. It's not easy to stay in school. But why is it important to you to stay in classes this fall and stay on track to graduation? So after I graduate, I plan on going to graduate school. I don't know if it'll be for my master's or my PhD yet, but it's necessary for me to continue because I'll be the first person to go to college in my family and to also finish college at my age. Because usually people in my family will wait until they're like a little older or after they've established like all their kids and everything. So I'll be the first person to do it like right out of high school and knowing that by me doing it, maybe my siblings also think that they want to go to college too. And I've always wanted to be a doctor. So I didn't think 
I should let this stop me from continuing because I feel like if I would have paused it, I don't know what would have happened if I would have stopped because sometimes when you stop, you don't pick it back up. And I didn't want to take that chance and not pick it back up. Yeah, absolutely. Right. I've had that conversation even with my own uh, boys who are in school right now. And why do I want to go back if it's online? You know, it's not the same, but it's important. You need to stay focused. You need to finish your degree. Any time off just makes it more difficult, right, to get back into yeah. to the routine. So I'm proud of you for sticking with your commitment to finishing your degree. Really am. Thank you. So my last question, or not last question, I want to talk about mm -hmm. our Black Student Equity Fund, uh, which was the newest fund recently created in direct response to the protests that we've seen around the country following the deaths of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and the many other Black lives that have been lost due to senseless, just senseless violence. Since June, we've been able to raise $54,000 for the Black Student Equity Fund, which is going to help to create scholarships, provide educational programming, and hopefully sponsor events that help support Black students. Hilda, let me toss it to you. Why do you feel that it was important for Roosevelt to create a fund to specifically address the needs, hopes, and ambitions of our Black students. I think the reality is that we need to, like, face the music, right? Like, we are a university founded on this mission that we are going to provide an opportunity for education to all kinds of people. However, not all kinds of people have the opportunity to be able to afford higher education. And I think that specifically the students that are a part of the Black community, you know, majority of the time are disadvantaged in regards to being able to fund their own education. And I think we need to do what we can as an institution to provide them a little bit of a support system and foundation financially so that they can get through school and pay for it. We don't want them to leave here with a degree but then they owe, you know, more than half of it because that doesn't really set them up to start their life, you know, ahead of it. When you finish and you have all these student loans, then, you know, that's a lot to take in as a young adult that maybe don't have parents, you know, who have college degrees and have wealth um, established. And so I think we need to do what we can to realize that a big part of our student body are Black students and that they need help from us. Yeah, they do. And, you know, even while this is a new fund, supporting Black students isn't new to Roosevelt, right? Mm -hmm. We've, we have a lot of other student programs and events at Roosevelt that I believe complement our mission. Maybe you can expand upon that a little bit, you know, how will the Black Student Equity Fund kind of integrate into our, our other commitments and programming or centers that we have at Roosevelt? Sure. So for a long time, and I know that the office name has changed, but we've had, to some degree, the Office of Multicultural Student Support Services, who is led by Pamela Thompson-Hill, who is my colleague and I adore uh, because she is an angel and she has been really, I think, at the forefront of helping our Black students and also our minority students in whatever way she can through, you know, 
summer programs to get the students moved in early so they can go through somewhat of a bridge program, adjusting them to college life, right? Because as a lot of these students are also first generation, right? So they, you know, they just face a different set of challenges when they have to adjust. So we have that office that provides those types of programs, along with mentorship, right, to be able to really follow students through their journey at Roosevelt. And so I think this complements what MSSS is doing nicely, because I think one of the limitations that not only that office has seen, but I think we probably have all felt it at Roosevelt working directly with students is that sometimes, as much as we love our students and can be there to listen to, you know, whatever it is that they're going through, we at the end of the day can fix their problem because their problem is directly tied to money, which we don't have, right? And so I think that providing all of these resources that can help our students financially just gives all of us an additional way to provide support and care that maybe in a different time we have not been able to provide. So important. And I know one of the other outcomes, not just of the the fund, but out of the Multicultural Student Center is the beginnings of a Black and Latino mentorship program this fall. So excited. That's just another example of some of the programming. New programming we'll be able to support with this fund. Yes. So, Miracle, I have a big question for you. Loaded question. (laughs) How do you think the Roosevelt community can come together to advocate for social justice? Um, I think it's just about remembering that even though we're all kind of separated right now, that we're all still a big unit. Because I know that it can be kind of, it can kind of feel like you're isolated from a lot of people when you're in your separate houses or when your like school community isn't the same as you're used to, and you might feel like me doing something at the school no longer matters because I'm not directly at the school, or you might feel like someone's not really paying attention to how you feel because you're not directly on campus. And I feel like. Um, Roseville does a good job of letting students know that even though you're a commuter student or you live in a dorms or now that you're a full remote student, that you can still talk to somebody on campus or you can still get resources that you need from the campus, even if it's using the food pantry and you have to and you need something, but you can't afford it and you just need to go to the campus and go get it like that's still an option for you. So it's just about remembering that you're still in a community, even though you might feel like you're kind of isolated from everyone else. Yeah, I I really do believe that Roosevelt is a community that cares. Do you feel that way, Michelle? Oh, absolutely. I think when you look at all the conversations that we've been having, brainstorming on ways to provide additional services or uh, ways to understand how to better meet the needs of our students, Um, There's a lot of wonderful work that's being done just for students to know that we're here to support them and that, you know, even like Miracle said, you know, we're, we may be in different places right now, but we're still definitely one group with one mission. And, you know, we're very focused on the success of our students. And when you look at all the, how all those different pieces come together, you know, we, we don't want a student just to come to Roosevelt for one year. We want that student to be here through graduation. And so that's really where some of these unique scholarship opportunities come into play because we know that it it takes more support and financial support and student services to get those students 
from the point of application to walking across that stage of graduation for that pivotal moment. Absolutely. So I have one last question for each of you as we get close to wrapping up here. So with the fall semester getting ready to start on August 31st, what are you looking forward to, a miracle this next fall semester? I'm looking forward to all the new classes that I get to take. I'm getting to take like childhood and adolescent classes and I want to focus on like children and family in my career. So I get to take like psychology of gender and I'll still be in McNair. So just the new experiences and new things I'll learn from my different classes. I'm really excited for that. So will you make me a promise that when you publish your first children's book that you'll sign a copy for me? Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Hilda, what are you looking forward to? Uh, so many things. <laughs> Honestly, it's it's funny because I think that there are a lot of there's a lot of anxiety and probably nervous feelings about what this academic year will look like, right? one of the things that keeps me at Roosevelt is that we have some magical way of overcoming challenges. And so I have no doubts, right, that we will come together as a community. I think our students are extremely resilient and they don't give up. And I don't know the details exactly of what the fall exactly will look like, but I know that we will be here a year from today talking about fall of 2020. So I just look forward to to everyone coming together and making it happen and getting through another year and another semester. Michelle? I'm excited because this is our our first full semester with the Robert Morris Experiential College students. And um, I'm just excited that we're finally at this point that we've been working so hard for. And um, we have a a lot of great new program offerings for students, a, a lot of great sports for students that we hadn't had before either. And so I'm, I'm excited for the semester to start with, with those new pieces in, in place. And, and I know similar to what Hilda shared too, you know, it's, it's going to look a little different uh, than what we have seen before. But again, I think the same sense of community, the same sense of support and partnership that we've had, you know, all along, that will still be there. Uh, even though it might uh, look and feel a little different from what we may have may have seen in the past. We are indeed a strong university community coming together to support one another in these really trying times for a lot of our community members. So thank you so much, Michelle, Hilda, and Americle for joining me today. I really appreciate your time and the opportunity to have had a meaningful conversation, you know, about how we are essentially, you know, effectively stewarding our donors' generous gifts. Um, and in closing, you know, I want to thank you, a special thank you from my heart to our donors who are supporting our students. No that your gift does have an impact on the everyday lives of our students. And it's important now that I reiterate how critical the ongoing support of our donors is to sustain these crucial mission-centric funds. And if you're able to support our students in need in, in any way, in any dollar amount, again, our giving page on the web is Roosevelt dot edu slash give where you can make your gift online again that's roosevelt.edu slash give 
I am certainly here and available to help answer any questions, as are my colleagues, Michelle and Hilda. So thank you again, and America, good luck this fall. Please stay in touch and let us know how you're doing and how we can help you. Okay, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and Justice for All is produced by Roosevelt University and is available at roosevelt.edu or anywhere you get your podcasts. The music for And Justice for All is written and produced by Jesse Case. Thanks for listening. <laughs>